32GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors. Thanks for joining us once again on 32GI Sports Nutrition. I'm Mr. Active David Katz. A great chat we had recently with Jenna Chalinor, the South African marathon runner. If you missed that, I'll put a link up to it. A fantastic read. One thing I love about Jenna is how she's passing that on to the next generation. She's really getting her kids active as well, and they just look up to her there. Today, we're moving back and having another chat with Mark Wolf, who joins us once again on the podcast. And Mark's been very active in the last couple of weeks running trail races, which I love because I've got into a lot of trail running. Mark, you know, is it something that you planned for, that you aimed for? I know you were coming out of wrath, or did the opportunity just present itself? Um, I, th- I think it just, uh, wh- one of the opportunities landed in my lap um, because there was a relay trail run, um, a 200-kilometer in a team of four, and uh, they, were, they were looking for people to join. Uh, it was actually going to be a team of six, and uh, two dropped out, so we landed up being a mixed team of four. Uh, with three males and one female, um, and that made it a really tough run, but uh, but an incredible experience. And then, obviously, once I knew I was doing that trail run, I, I looked at some trail runs to race uh, prior to that, and I did one 24-kilometer run prior to that to, you know, to just test my legs. So I switched my focus basically um, from swimming and cycling to running for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'd recovered from Roth, I think, uh, quite well, and. Um, it was just a matter of, of, of getting some focus into the running. And, uh, and I actually enjoy it. I enjoy the diversity of, of the different sports. And it was actually amazing to be back on the trails again. Uh, I love trail running. Uh, sometimes when I'm, not when I'm doing uh, events or big events, because uh, I, I can be quite accident prone and falling here or there. Um, it's, it's happened quite a few times to me. But uh, I was blessed with actually with all the trail running I did now that... Uh, that there were no incidents whatsoever. In actual fact, I'm, I enjoyed it so much that I didn't fall at all, so maybe I should actually carry on with it. Now, Mark, just briefly, you were explaining to me it's, it's such a great concept, and um, as, as we talked about, I think South Africans, I think anyone in around the world would sort of lap up trying something like this. Just talk us through the basic um, uh, strategy or structure of how the, the team trail run worked. Well, it's a, it's a race called the Tanakhta Shak, which is basically... Um, uh, they're biblical paths taken out of the Old Testament. Um, uh, there's quite a few of them. And then Tushak is actually the year 1948. And uh, basically there's some uh, famous paths which were built in, in Israel in, in 1948. And what they do is they, uh, they create a race of just over 200 kilometers, 24 segments. Um, and people can run these in a relay team of uh, 8, 6, or 4. Um, and then they actually also have a, a 70, a 50, and a 30-kilometer ultra the day after. So we were in a team of four, which means uh, four runners. Uh, we each have to run six segments. So we each had to run uh, a, a distance of about 51 kilometers, I think I landed up running. Um, the runners are categorized as uh, A, B, C, and D. Uh, if you choose to be uh, runner A, B, C, or D, you have to run the segments that are dedicated to those particular uh, runners. So you, you can't change the segments, otherwise you get disqualified. So runner A has to run segments, uh, say, 1, 5, uh, 9, 13, 17, 21. Uh, and also each, seg- each, uh, each runner's got different classifications. So runner A might have uh, 
a classification of difficult. Runner B might have a classification of uh, medium to hard. Uh, runner C, medium to hard. And runner D maybe have a classification of also, uh, also around about medium. So you can also look at the strength of the runners within your group and decide which runners they're going to be, and that will determine which segments they were uh, running. Uh, I basically ran... Uh, uh, I was runner A. I think I was one of the stronger runners in the group. Uh, we had an awesome team. Um, and uh, we started our race. I mean, the start times also can be, be chosen. I think you need to be quite strategic here because you can start early on, but then you're faced with a lot of heat. And if you're not acclimatized to the heat, you are going to suffer really badly. Uh, some groups chose to start later on. They would rather start in the afternoon around half of three, maybe up to around about half of five. And and get a, a little bit cooler, but then you face the fact of when you're running through the night, there's no lighting, I mean, except for your headlamp. So how fast can you actually run with limited uh, sight? So uh, we actually, uh, we chose to, to run a little bit earlier. We actually chose to start at one in the day, which is a little bit hectic because it ended up being, I think, around 40, 44 degrees of heat and high humidity when we started. Uh, one of our runners actually has to be somewhere the next morning and you need to finish the race before a certain time. Well, hopefully we finish the race before a certain time because over that distance, anything can happen, anything. And um, I just thought, well, if we're starting this time, it's, we can make it, to, we can use it to our advantage because we can run it hard in the daylight, which means that teams that are starting much later will still have to put quite a bit of effort in at night and it's not so easy to put in a fast-paced uh, run at night. So we started off, I mean, my first leg was the official start, which was at 1 o'clock. It was only around just over 9 kilometers, but it was very, very hot. Um, and uh, we finished the race at uh, around half past 7 the next morning, uh, run completely through the night. Uh, driving from one station to the next, you need to meet the runner uh, that's running the active segment. You need to, he needs to hand over uh, the tracking a tag to you. You need to put it on your arm and run the next segment. The runner that's just completed has to uh, register in at a table there. They take your time. They take your race number um, just to make sure that each segment is completed properly by the right runners. And uh, it's a matter of three of you driving constantly between stations and one person running between stations. I think I mentioned earlier, sometimes the runner can get to the station before the car because running over a mountain is, is one thing, but driving around the mountain can be quite quite a distance. So it depends on the pace that the run is running. And we did have a, a maybe two or three sections where the car came after the runner, which causes a bit of a delay, but um, there's nothing you can really do about that. Now, Mark, uh, I mean, no sleep, that's one thing, but recovery for the race like that must be so important. I mean, how, how did you handle that recovery between legs? Well, I think there's... there's there's different elements of recovery. I think the first thing is is that uh, because I started uh, in the in the heat of the day, my my biggest worry at that time of the day. I mean, I had eaten through the morning and I'd made sure that I had a late breakfast and I was fueled up for the race. But I think the the, the most important thing was trying to get in fluids because I, the amount of fluid I lost was excessive during that race. Um, in actual fact, um, I had six outfits and after each leg I had to change completely. It's a very hot climate. It's very humid. Uh, the day temperature was in the 40s. The night temperature, I think, was around 22. I mean, that's at midnight, so you can understand the, the temperatures of the climate. Um, I had to change clothing after each leg, take a towel, dry myself down, put on a new 
uh, outfit, only when I stop sweating, put on a new outfit and then get ready for the next leg. So, so that was the first thing. The second thing is, is that you realize how much fluid you're losing. And one of the most important things post every segment is to actually rehydrate. And, uh, I mean, that, that had to be done consistently throughout the event. Uh, I did, I mean, I was definitely dehydrated at the finish. Um, it doesn't hamper, I mean, being slightly dehydrated doesn't hamper your performance. Um, in actual fact, I was quite a bit dehydrated. It didn't hamper my ability to perform at all. Um, I think what, uh, one of the other factors that I needed to focus on was also trying to get in food after each segment to make sure that my blood sugar levels were stable because you have to wait an hour and a half, probably up to maybe a maximum of two hours between each running, between each running leg. And, um, uh, you know, people were using gels, etc. I, I didn't use gels to, to do the runs because that's what just spike you and drop you, and I wanted some stability. So, I mean, I, I used a hydration drink, one of the, like an Endure hydration drink, for example, which is an isotonic. It's a stabilizing drink. It stabilizes the blood sugar. I consumed it quite frequently. I managed to find in one of the health stores um, uh, pureed fruits, um, apples, pears, uh, banana and apple mixed together, uh, it packed into pouches, into big uh, sort of uh, pouches. And what I did was I actually uh, froze this fruit, um, and so it chilled it quite nicely. I kept it in a bag, and I would actually eat one or two of these pouches of fruit uh, immediately after each session. And what I liked about that was it's not sweet. It's completely natural, and I absolutely loved eating proper, proper food. When it came to sort of later segments on in the night, when I did get to a station, uh, because it was a little bit cooler, some of the stations actually had soup. Uh, there was one station that had onion soup. I definitely didn't touch that because onion soup wouldn't have gelled well with my stomach. Uh, but we did get to one station where they had uh, completely clear chicken soup. And I actually wanted that from a salt perspective and a fluid perspective because I needed to rehydrate. And that's the only way to actually get the fluid absorption in more quickly is to actually get some salt in with it. So it was just a matter of, of, of drinking a couple of cups of that. It made me feel a lot better. Um, but, yeah, generally, I kept it very, very simple. I think I ate a chew bar here or there. Uh, I didn't really eat any solid foods. I, I think basically that entire night was sort of fueled on a little bit of chicken soup and all these fruit pouches in between and uh, just a, a, an isotonic uh, stabilizing drink. And I think that was okay for me. I, I did have a bit of a, a low blood sugar around uh, about 4 o'clock in the morning or so in my last, last segment, but... I mean, it, it was, you're talking around uh, having run already 45 to 50 kilometers, and I suppose it's, it's expected to have a little bit of a dip, but uh, I managed to be okay. It was only really the last two or three kilometers of that, of that last segment, and um, some of the stations had actually dates, um, uh, dates and biscuits uh, at each station, and I found that the dates are very, very good for getting your blood sugar back up. I can't overeat them because they're high in fiber, so it does impact my stomach, but at the same time, if there's an hour and a half to two hours between a segment, taking a day here or there, the fiber's not going to affect me that badly. And then um, they just had some uh, sort of uh, sort of tennis biscuits, you could say, and I just sort of munched on some of those as well. So it was really a matter of finding foods that weren't sweet, that uh, were palatable, um, and that also I could afford to eat without impacting my digestive system because that's the last thing that you you can worry about. I mean... You know, between each station, you just don't have time to breathe. Uh, it's just a matter of getting from one to the other, getting ready to run, and then running again. 
Um, Mark, I mean, with any race, there's planning, there's testing. You need to test your nutrition. But with something like this, and, and we have races across the world where, you know, they're not maybe as crazy, but stage races, different relay races in terms of trail running, that planning for a race like this in terms of when you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, is even more important than your average race? I think you really do need to think about it quite thoroughly. And um, I don't know if it's to my detriment or benefit, but I, I didn't give it a lot of thought because I, I just know my body so intimately. And I actually realized when I got in the car, everybody had sandwiches and tuna and all this. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm really feeling myself minimalistically for this. But at the same time, I need to worry about what I eat maybe between 1 and 8 o'clock at night. And I don't usually really eat late at night. So I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do for the early hours of the morning? I generally re- relied with, with what was on course. I mean, knowing that there were dates and biscuits and, and soup here or there, I generally relied on most of that. I did have gels and, and, and as a backup, etc. here or there, but I didn't give it as much thought as I actually should have. Um, it was like my mind was elsewhere, busy with work, etc., and I just didn't give it a lot of thought. But I would probably plan a lot better next time. Um, I think also one of the other things that I did focus on, I mentioned that to you earlier, was I really, and that's something that I did know, is that I am running through the night. I need to be alert. I need to be focused, especially some of these some of these runs that I did were so technical. I mean, especially when you're running at a very high pace on a descent. You, you know, it's one thing having a headlamp, but having a headlamp and running at a high speed, you only have got a very, you know, your vision's limited to a couple of meters in front of you, and you've got to be very, very careful of where you keep your you know, which path you choose and where your feet land on the ground. And, and it's, it's, I mean, there's dips here or there, there's rocks, there's, there's loose rocks, there's loose sands, uh, trees, sharp bends. And I think it's just a matter of, of you have to be focused. If not, you are going to land up falling. So um, I actually focused on consuming uh, caffeine shots uh, quite regularly. Um, definitely one, I took one definitely at least an hour before I started my run. I took one maybe at the start and then, uh, I would actually, uh, you know, after I recovered from it, the the run, I would actually start taking the caffeine shot ready for the next run. So I went through quite a bit of caffeine through the night to try and stay more alert um, as well, uh, which I think helped me quite quite a bit. It actually did help me a lot. I mean, I didn't land up falling, so I suppose that's a good thing. Now, so many aspects you have to think about when you do a race like that. And uh, you did touch in this podcast on hydration. We've done a whole podcast on hydration, the importance of it, how to get water in. And I'll put the link up to that as well. Mark, I presume this uh, won't be your last trail run? I don't think it'll be my last. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it's quite challenging running you know, su- such a, a race, I suppose, through the night. Uh, but it's also It was an awesome team to run with and I suppose you also, you know, you, you get to talk to people and, and learn about people as well. And I was quite amazed. I, from what I understood from the race directors, there's two and a half thousand runners uh, over the period of 24 hours, which is quite a huge trail run if you think about it. Um, obviously, different formats, people doing different formats, but that's, that's a really, really large uh, format. Um, we, we managed to podium, which was awesome. So, you know, we got a, a nice little trophy at prize giving and, uh, I, th- I think that, you know, that was just uh, sort of the, I suppose, the, the peak of the event was actually uh, actually even achieving an, an excellent result then, which we quite enjoyed. But as I said, 200 kilometers is a, it's a very long run. And, uh, you know, 
you think about it that it's split between four of you, and I tell people, you know, it's split between four of you, but that means that you're still running over 50 kilometers each uh, on a trail, in the heat, through the night, up and down a mountain, wherever it is. And it's, uh, it, it, it's quite a, it is quite a, a daunting task. One of the things that I did do to try and prepare for this was I did, like, double or triple runs through the day. So, like, doing a morning run, uh, sort of an afternoon and an evening run, because that would sort of give you an idea of how the body, you know, sort of adapts from one thing to the other. Um, I mean, obviously, the impact on the body is, is slightly less, you know, having those recovery periods in between. But with that said, when you're running a straight leg, you know, your legs don't really go into uh, that, that sort of delayed onset of muscle stiffness because they're active all the time. But when you're running in segments and your body is gonna, it's starting to cool down and recover from one session, your legs start to stiffen up, especially when you get to the 30, 40 kilometer mark and you've got to get to over 50 k. So, so, so that's something else is how, how do you, how do you keep that flexibility and, you know, what do you need to do from a, uh, you know, after, not just from a recovery point of view, but from a nutrition point of view, but, but how do you keep those legs supple from session to session? So we actually took, um, uh, Caroline Vossman's husband, uh, is the re, the role recovery, uh, he's got the, the recovery rollers that he sells from the States, the R8. It's nice and portable. And we actually took this with us in the vehicle and we were just kneading and rolling our, our legs as much as possible between segments to try and keep them as, as supple as possible, get the lactic acid out as much as possible and just try and recover from one section to the next. So that was another thing that we had to take into account is how do you, how do you get rid of that stiffness? Because by the time I came to my last segment at, at half past three in the morning, my legs were really starting to, to get stiff and, and tighten. And it's not cramping. It's just that, it's that feeling as I've had a hard training session the day before. I don't even know how I'm going to run now, but you've just got to go and do it. Uh, so, so that helps quite a bit as well. So I suppose there are a lot of aspects to think about. Um, and, yeah, I think I'll, I'll definitely pick a few more trail runs. I, I can't run at the moment. I've got a, I actually uh, got a little bit of a sportsman's hernia, so I'm out of it for a few weeks. But, uh, but it's, it's all good. I think I'm run out at the moment. I can get back on the bike and focus a little bit there. Well, it does sound like a, a fantastic event, and uh, that's part of the excitement. How do you balance nutrition? How do you balance that recovery? So, Mark, well done on that. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would be interested. I'll put the link up to that event. But from Mark Wolf and myself, Mr. Active David Katz, thanks for joining us once again on this edition of 32GI Sports Nutrition. 32GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors.